filibuster is supported through patreon by listeners like you check us out at patreon.com slash filibuster we also get support from the ehrlich law office discrimination wage and litigation solutions for the district of columbia and northern virginia they handle workplace discrimination, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, and a whole lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. There you go. Look at you, Captain Positivity. I don't know about you guys, but I feel very good that we have Captain Positivity himself with us tonight. Um, hi, hi, Stra. That's the only thing. That's the only thing I feel good about. <laughs> it's not every day you get a celebrity like Captain Positivity to to come on the the podcast and share all his uh, wisdoms and general positivity. Yeah, I think, yeah. Well, I think my favorite thing about the clip is is. Benny seemed actually excited to have a a framing of a question that was not, you know, dire and and doom and gloom. And then you finished the question, and it was clear that no, your your framing was doom and gloom. It's like, well, it's great to get four points, but what about not winning in more than once in the last seven games? Um, it, it just reminded me of the old SNL sketch, Debbie Downer. Yeah, I was surprised you didn't follow that up with. Thanks a lot, Captain Negative, or something like that. Yeah. Negativity, sorry. <laughs> you could be two superheroes in one. It would be a great comic book. I would read it. All I can think of is the uh, uh, Price is Right failure horn. Yeah, there's there's that. And then there's, there's also the womp, womp. Yeah, both are similar. I just want it to be known that uh, Stephen was initially prepared to sort of give up on leaving the stadium and being dry in the rainstorm that was developing after we were trying to leave. Um, and it took a little reminder that he was captain of positivity to get him to try and find a solution. Um, he was just, he was not going to be captain of positivity for a moment there. Um, but uh, in he the already end, changed his Twitter handle. Yeah, he did that, and then we finished our work, and then it started to rain. Um, and he did not have a single thing to help him prevent the rain because we didn't know it was going to rain. Um, he had positivity. Well, eventually, he he regained his positivity, and then we found out where the trash bags are in the press box. Um, <laughs> where and, are they? And, uh, they're in a cabinet under the sink. <laughs> Yeah, appropriate place most, for trash most bags. of our listeners probably never going to get up there to see it but uh that's where they are if you need a trash bag and you're in the press box and you just want to walk up there um and give it a shot uh i gotta if warn you, you need though, a trash bag just storm the press box and you look and, under the sink if we do you not run up there actually do that that is my legal and, advice if you try and run up there while uh people are there working and you encounter bertha she is not going to let you have that trash bag you're going to lose that battle. Oh no. Um, oh no. Yeah. Don't, don't times cross she, she is going to, she is going to make sure that you do not get that trash bag and you're going to feel bad that you even tried. I take it back. Don't cross Bertha. Yeah. I do all the time. That, I'm that still is here. actually <laughs> uh, captain positivity there. I like that, that it turned from kind of a potential superpower into a burden that you have to bear. If, if you're ever feeling down or like you want to give up or just wait something out, just, remind yourself that you're captain positivity and you have to go find a way to do it. 
Somebody like tweeted me last night during the USA game asking me to say something positive about a play that had just happened. And I had to, I had to dig deep, but I did it. <laughs> um, that reminds me, uh, listeners, we're about to formally start the show after we finish whatever nonsense we do at the beginning of the show every week. And yet you keep listening. Thank you for that. Uh, this week, we will not be subjecting you to any talk of the Gold Cup. No underwhelming performances against small nations that are part of the Netherlands uh, or anything else that are explicitly not part of the Netherlands anymore. And that's why they are here. There are because we like you so much that we're not doing this to you. Yes. We're not doing any of this. Paul Ariel. There are foreign departments of France that are part of CONCACAF. So it's not because that that country we're not naming for some reason. I don't know whether it's but part they of the literally are. I think it's, but they're literally okay. not. But that is not why are, they are in the. Are gold we extending? Cup. Are we extending the no gold cup band to include not even saying the name of the team that they played? Because I, mean, I feel that's, like that's, that's, that's apparently Adam. we fell into that. Okay, uh, that seems a little harsh on uh, that place. We, wait, we should not. We should not say the name of the team that won. Well, I already did though, so I feel yeah. like we could. <laughs> Cross that line. He's Captain Positivity. Stress? Come on, Captain Positivity. <laughs> hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United and Positivity, damn it, podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined as always by Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley. We're all from blackandredunited.com. And tonight we are joined by Captain Positivity, Stephen Streff of Black and Red United and F- Flow FC. Um, Thank you for saying that. He, he's kind enough to to join us tonight and and bring some positivity to the conversation uh, which, which who knows maybe we'll need maybe we won't but we'll get it either way we will tonight we are <laughs> tonight we are talking about a rather underwhelming week for dc united they beat orlando city one nothing on wednesday before drawing toronto fc one to one both games were on buzzard point so points dropped at home never Really a fun thing to talk about. Uh, the performances were a little underwhelming. We'll get into that. In the second segment, we'll have a friend on to help us preview uh, DC United's 4th of July trip down to Dallas to face FC Dallas. Watch that one, 9 o'clock on Thursday on Flow FC if you're in the blackout radius or uh, on ESPN Plus if you are out in the hinterlands. Before we talk about anything else, though, Streff, let's, talk with, let, let's start with you. What are you drinking? So I was listening to the podcast last week, and you guys were uh, talking bad about Shandy's, uh, Bud Light Lime. I was I really wanted to do that. Well, well, well those are two up. different things. Did you did you show up with good. Shandy? Uh, Shandy's are bad. I would say I feel like both were mentioned in the same breath last week. But no, I have a a, a classic uh, rum and coke, Bacardi. That has nothing to do with either of those things. I know, uh, because I'm Captain Positivity. I wanted a positive drink. (laughs) So I went with something that wasn't going to be something just to make you guys angry. Not a negative that I would enjoy. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Candies are inherently negative. Yes. Yeah. Yes, they are. Or like a Natty Light strawberry lemonade beer, you know, something like that. (laughs) (laughs) So just a a rum and coke. Uh, It's old. Kind of rum. rum. It's Bacardi. Okay, it's Captain Positivity. I can say it twice, even though I already mentioned it. I I caught that. But, I, I mean, was going to let Bacardi, them ask anyway. Bacardi has a lot of different different varieties. Uh, that's a good call. Um, I meant to check. It's just the typical um, 
uh, Bacardi, you'd get at the alcohol, the beverage store, not the, Bacardi, yeah. not had, the like, alcohol the- store. You go down to the alcohol store. Yeah, it is the alcoholic beverage Bacardi. control store in uh, in Virginia. Well, I was in Maryland when I bought this. I can't remember what the name of it was, but it's not it like the nice total wine or something. Twenty year or uh, I think they even have like a clear or year. Yeah, this yes. is just your normal run of the mill Bacardi oh. rum, spiced rum. Spiced, oh, spiced okay. rum. That's different than what I was Sorry. expecting. All right, Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm. Cheating my way to a, a margarita of, of sorts. I've got my um, Trader Joe's jalapeno limeade uh, mixed with Omeka Altos tequila. Nice. Uh, I've got the easiest. I, I, I didn't want just bourbon in a glass. I didn't want to drink bourbon neat. So I, I poured some bourbon and then decided just to start splashing things in it. So I splashed some bitters and a splash of water in it just to see what would happen. And it's fine. It's, it's like halfway to a, a Manhattan, which that sounds like something I would do. Yeah. I, I, I channeled the wrong person for the show. I should have channeled <laughs> captain positivity. Instead. I channeled Ben. It happens. If you're halfway yeah. to Manhattan, is that something in like Philadelphia? Uh, yeah, I think Jersey, South Jersey. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I'm 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 on the uh, Com- the Commodore Barry Bridge there next to <laughs> Talon Energy Stadium. I guess I don't that know. That works. That works. Ben, what are you drinking? I am drinking. Uh, I got more Svedka vodka. Uh, that we talked about last week and we got some uh, we had a splash pad day just at our house because everything is expensive and everything is hot. So we just invited all of our friends with children over to our house. And so we got fruit juices for the children. And then when the children left, we still had the fruit juices. So this is uh Kroger simple truth, uh, tropical passion fruit juice with Svedka vodka in it. And it's good. Simple truth stuff is good, y'all. So if you have a Kroger, I would recommend it. I haven't been to Kroger in so many years. We had Kroger in my college town. Kroger's good. It's it's fine. It's a grocery store. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not channeling Captain Positivity. I'm going to try to do better. You're not. For the rest and of the show. We we will not fight about grocery stores tonight. <laughs> there is only one Captain Positivity. It's it's true. We should all strive to be more like him. However, nah, um, I'm good. <laughs> pull the rug out of our questions after positive premises. It's going to be great. I'm not sure how we're calling a week disappointing after watching Wayne Rooney score a goal from his own half. But here we are. It took that 65 yard strike to beat Orlando city on Wednesday. And then the black and red followed it with another uninspired performance, getting a draw with a little help from VAR against Toronto. Um, my, my big takeaway from, from these two games is maybe we can set it up so that Wayne Rooney is always playing against Orlando because he just does amazing things against Orlando every time. It's amazing. He, he actually said uh, after the game, he tried to clarify that he has nothing specific against Orlando, <laughs> um, which they probably feel that he does because I do. So thank you. Thank you, Wayne, for channeling my <laughs> dislike of Orlando City into yeah, maybe your this body. Is just, maybe this is just Wayne Rooney is a big fan of Ben, a big fan of Ben and uh, wanted to do something for Ben. 
and well, keep thank doing you, Wayne. <laughs> yeah, Wayne Rooney channels Ben and does amazing things on the soccer field. I channel yeah. Ben and end up with uh, half a cocktail. <laughs> I like the idea of Wayne listening to the show and only liking Ben and being like the rest of those guys. No, I can no, take or leave him, but Ben Bromley, and that's it. You'd so be the first the, one. I listened to this the show for one person out of the three of them. I will say about Orlando that is where Wayne's younger brother John played. He only played there for a year, so maybe he actually does have something against him. Just didn't want to say it. Didn't his younger brother also play for the Red Bulls? Yeah, that's who he was drafted by. Yeah, and he played oh. for Orlando in the USL, not in MLS, but yeah, uh-huh. maybe, maybe. Well, if we remind Rooney of that somehow, I, I I know a couple of guys who occasionally get to ask him questions after games, uh, and if they could remind Rooney that his brother also played for the Red Bulls and he should do ridiculous, amazing things to them, uh, I wouldn't mind that. I would could be for just- that. Could we just get John Rooney to sign for every MLS team as like a hoax so that Wayne could just be angry at every MLS team? All right. Would that be easier or would it be easier convincing him that Damo Duro is his brother, John? Because he's already played for every MLS team. I think my thing would be easier. But it requires fraud, which I'm not, I'm, I'm always skeptical of. Yours requires a different kind of fraud. Yeah, but not legal fraud. <laughs> Adam, Adam, you're you're getting close to actual legal advice. On, I'm not on this show. I'm not. Um, I'll back away. I'll back instead away. Instead of our norm, which is that Ben and I offer legal advice that is definitely mm. not advice you should take, or legal in any way. <laughs> no, not legal in any way. But it's not illegal. It's just not pertaining to legality. There you go. So the performance. Against both these teams, team-wide, uninspiring, lackluster, disappointing, whatever, unfortunately, not positive adjective you want to attach to them. What's the cause? Is it is it just down to missing pieces? Paul Ariel is at the Gold Cup. Joseph Moore is hurt again, out for a couple more weeks at least. Uh, hopefully no more than that. And uh, Junior Moreno's with Venezuela for these games. So is it just those missing guys? Because those are some big guys, but it's not like we were facing a full strength Toronto side either. <laughs> not so even what, close. What, what, what's the explanation yeah. for this performance? Uh, to me, it's, it's some of it is definitely just this is not a strong DC United right now with the, the lineup they're putting on the field is definitely. Um, weaker than the best 11 by, you know, pretty obvious to everybody. Um, And that's a big part of it. But I think also the guys that are out there are not playing up to their best either. Um, We've seen better from Chris Durkin. Um, We've seen better from um, Canals even, you know, the last two games he's been fine, but especially this last game against TFC with him having to play, as the positionally conservative player uh, in that defensive midfield duo with um, Lucas Rodriguez, uh, that doesn't suit him. So that's some of it too, is that we've got as, as Olsen himself admitted, they've got guys in positions that maybe they're being, you know, set up to fail in a little bit um, with Canals in that role with not that Canals really was that bad. It just wasn't his best. Um, Chris McCann on the goal was pretty bad. Zoltan Stieber on the goal was even worse. Um, guys like that are, you know, they don't have the reps to be at their full sharpness. So even if they're fully fit, so to speak, they aren't sharp. 
Um, and it showed and it's showing in a few different spots, you know, um, Lucho has been all right, but I think he's kind of shaded back a little bit from that, you know, before the gold cup break, I was trying to say that he's looking kind of more engaged and in the open cup games, he was really putting in a lot of work, but in, you know, these two games, the work was there, but it wasn't as important. It wasn't as, uh, aggressive. He wasn't as quick uh, mentally as he had been. Um, I think there was a foul uh, early in this game against TFC um, where uh, Richie Larea got, um, yeah, yeah. In, in the late in the first half, he got booked. Um, And I think Lucho might've been dealing with that a little bit. Um, It was a pretty bad foul. He probably should have gotten more than a yellow. Um, and if not there, then certainly a few minutes later when he committed a very similar or a, a classic professional foul and should have been sent off um, at that point. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it seems like there's a bit of a, a malaise to the team. Like how is Rodriguez going to get out of his funk as an attacking midfielder when he's having to play a shift as a defensive midfielder? Um, you know, that the shorthandedness, I think it's sort of a vicious circle uh, a little bit. Um, the shorthandedness gets guys at a position and then they don't play their best. So they lose some confidence and then you've got another game coming up very quickly and it just keeps, you know, kind of snowballing. So, um, they definitely need to get these other guys back, but we have to remember that, you know, Ariola and Moreno aren't going to step back in and be immediately like well rested and fresh. They were away playing a bunch of games. Um, so it's not necessarily a guarantee that it's going to be an instant and dramatic uh, turnaround. You've got to still got to get more out of the guys that are here currently so that when these other guys do come back, that it's not just, Oh, you guys have to save the day. It needs to be a collective thing. Yeah. And uh, just to uh, add to what Jason said in uh, this last game, people were just standing around and it wasn't just the people who had played uh, three games in a week. It was everybody. It was uh, Stieber and McCann, the some of the sl- the one of the slowest sides of the field in MLS were standing around. Uh, Stieber had a couple of good moments, but those that was it. That's all he had, and he was not able to defend well. And McCann wasn't able to defend well either. And then Segura on the other side, he was just. He was not his normal bowling ball of a self. He was just kind of uh, walking around a lot of the time, and it, it wasn't the normal Ulysses Segura that we see. And so there's just a lot of pieces that aren't working right now, and it's not just the fact of who's on the field. It's not just the fact of who has rest. It's it, it's a bigger thing than that, and I think uh, we'll get into it in a little bit, but I think it's got to be shaken up somewhat. I think that's fair. The, the attack was really stagnant, especially against Toronto with players like the ball was in possession and we'd see it rotate around the back. And when they could get it moving quickly from side to side, you'd see some lanes open up and runners would, would kind of take them. But by and large, it was just too slow and too static. And, Ben's right. Players were standing around in the attack and not making runs or they would start to make a run and it wouldn't be rewarded. So they just pull it off. And the defense was never really forced to honor those runs and get pulled out of position by them. And so we didn't see seams form. And those seams are where Rooney and Lucho 
can can exploit the defense basically and if they don't form at all then it's just lucho dribbling at guys and and rooney passing it around a little bit so hey i think that that's that's a big part of it um we do need to talk about that slowest side and of the field in mls chris mccann and zoltan stieber both starting on the left ben olsen recognizing the mistake after uh larius set up a nick de leon's goal to to open the scoring in this one he he moved stieber over to the right and then eventually subbed mccann out at halftime for pedroso who had probably his best game and uh in in the 45 minutes that he played even though he wasn't great he was still probably one of the better players for united on the night it was it was very strange streff what did you make of the decision to start those two guys together and um what were your thoughts on on the what happened from there but i guess mccann at left back kind of made sense because you know as we all know more is out for a couple weeks with his ankle injury but I was really surprised that um, Olsen decided to start Zoltan Stieber uh, in place of Chris Durkin, who, who admittedly, and he admitted it after uh, the midweek game, did not have a good game against Orlando, especially in the first half. Um, sure. But Stieber hasn't exactly had a good game all year, and um, it wasn't that, that big of a surprise that he didn't have much impact uh, I was so hopeful against, after like the first 10 minutes that maybe he might be able to pull it out, but he had, a, he had a good cross within like what, like five minutes for Rooney yeah. Uh, yeah. where Rooney just wasn't able to uh, make good contact on the cross. Uh, but it was a promising moment, but that was about the highlight. That was yeah. it. Um, it wasn't a good um, performance from Stieber. It made the decision look even more um, questionable. I mean, that's, that's, looking at it in hindsight, but I was yeah. uh, completely, I, I was really surprised that, that Durkin got sat in place of uh, Stieber. And I think uh, Olsen, if you asked him, you know, off the record behind the scenes, he would, he would kind of say it might not have been the best choice at the end of the day. Oh, I don't think you have to go behind the scenes. He basically said it in the press conference after the game where he's, he, at least he said he, he didn't put them in, in a position to succeed partly because mostly because of their their lack of playing time and reps recently but obviously he th- there are some other things happening there i thought this was probably stieber's best performance of 2019 so far which isn't mm. saying a lot he's had a rough year i mean but, i feel for the guy because i i want him to succeed so badly he's a great guy but yeah he he's saying been something invisible is his best this year saying something is, is his best performance of the year it doesn't mean anything because he's been bad all year and it, it sucks but it's just true yeah i yeah. saw some people out there saying that he was lazy on defense and i don't and and attributing the goal to that which i don't buy at all i just think he's n- not good at it i think he tries hard and he's just not good at defending um he made his body shape wrong he, he got his body shape wrong for a second uh on the play that led to the goal and just got beat and didn't have the pace to recover. And that was it. It wasn't laziness. It was just, he's not good at that aspect of the game. If he had been lazy, he wouldn't have been in a position to even confront Lorea. Um, And again, I'll say this until this show no longer exists Uh, with professionals. It's almost never laziness. Like if that's where your mind is going, you need to dig deeper because you haven't actually solved the problem. Uh, Like 99.99999% of the time. 
these guys are the kind of people that, you know, professionals, they, they can't turn it off. Like it drives them nuts that one thing went wrong in a game or that they misplaced one pass. So laziness is not really the thing. Um, yeah, he, he just didn't have the, the good positioning that a, a player who's good at defending would have had uh, in that moment. And he didn't have the quickness of feet or the agility to make up for it when Larea started to go around him. Um, and unfortunately, you know, you look back at the goal. Um, if you look at McCann, when while all that's going on with Stieber and Larea, um, I think McCann gets distracted by the presence of Jay Chapman. Um, and that pulls him out of position to not be able to support Stieber, which is something he needs to be doing in that moment. Um, and the combination of those two things is kind of, it all breaks down from there. Um, you know, I know it's tempting to say who was marking De Leon, but um, when you get a guy dribbling to the end line in into the area and the other defender that's supposed to be confronting him as the second layer is that late, then things are going to fall apart behind him too. And so, um, yeah, it was, it was rough. It kind of, that moment kind of encapsulated the high risk of playing those two on the same side. Um, and, uh, you know, with a more, ex- you know, not a more experienced defender, but a more able defender um, out of that left wing position, uh, maybe Larea isn't even up there trying it because he's thinking, well, I'm not going to necessarily have an easy time getting past him. And if I turn the ball over in that position, all of a sudden there's a break behind me because I've left all this space. So um, the fact that Stieber kind of invites that sort of play um, because teams know like, well, he's not really going to be able to do anything about it if we come forward. Um, and again, it's not because he won't try. It's because he's just not very good at it. Um, and it is kind of a weird thing to be talking about his performance as possibly his best of the year when he is culpable on a goal in a one, yeah. one game. But, uh, on the other hand, it was from an attacking perspective, it probably was his best performance of the game uh, of the year because his other games, like combined, he has like one key pass. It's been really rough. Um, I, and I think it's just confidence. Um, I think he desperately needs to be somewhere else uh, for his own state of being, uh, state of mind. Um, and I assume that's coming soon. Uh, the transfer window is eight days away from as we're recording this on uh, the first. So I assume something's going to happen Next because. Tuesday. Yeah. So. <laughs> Something's going to happen because something has to happen. And I assume that he's pushing for it too, because I think he knows that surely he knows that this isn't going well and that he needs to move on. So yeah, it, it was rough. It was a rough night for those two. And um, I think Olson looking back on it, you know, as he said in the press conference that um, this was maybe not the best decision from the start and the changes they made at halftime, not just to shuffling those uh, Stieber and, and Segura, um, which is a first half change, but some of the other stuff they did as far as the way they built uh, out of the back, um, it turned out that was a better call. And if they had started the game like that, they might have had, a, we might be talking about a win now, but you know, you get things wrong sometimes and you find out mid game and there's only so much you can do. Um, we, we kind of overestimate what coaches can do once the game has begun. The ball is kind of rolling down the hill at that point. I will say a lot of times Ben Olsen gets, at least in the recent past, he's gotten the initial tactics right and then not been able to adjust to the other team's adjustments. So even though he didn't get the starting lineup right, he did make adjustments that did improve the team. Not drastically, mm-hmm. not quite as much as we would have liked. I, I, but I, I'm, I'm not. I, the I'm, team I'm not did get better you. as the game went on. The second half was better than the first. 
Sure. And I'm, I, I'm not here with you. I'm, I'm saying it's good to see tactical adjustments in game that work. Uh, it's, it's not a high bar and I'll, I'm, say that very clearly but he credit that he he recognized his mistake and um it would have been nice to have an extra sub and not have to use one on pedroso but we can talk about that going forward in fact let's do that right now we know that junior moreno will be back with the team in time for thursday's game whether he's able to start after flying up from brazil i don't know um Paul Ariola should be back in time for the game at New England next Friday. Again, whether he'll be in a position to to start that game, I don't know. Uh, Joseph Mora is a couple weeks away because of that ankle injury. So the question now is who starts? Who do you want to see on the field um, until everyone is back in and whatever summer signings start rolling in, hopefully in eight days and not a month and eight days. Uh, who do you want to see on the field for DC United well, one, in the immediate question, future? One question I have that maybe Shreff can answer is how close is O'Neill Fisher to being back? I don't know specifically. He's, he's been around the team back and forth uh, between here and Jamaica a lot over the past nine months, eight months. Um, uh, I'm not sure he's not practicing yet with the team, at least that I've seen. Okay. Um, so I still think he's, you know, a little, so little bit away, far from, enough away that he's back. not going to be here anytime in the near future. Yeah. I would say for sure. He's not, unless there's some rapid development would not be playing in any games in, in July, at least. Um, I don't know past that though. I think I have to go uh, like as much as I hate it. I think I have to go with a three back system. I think I have to go with uh, Briant, Burnbaum, and Pines. And let me just say, as an aside here, Briant has been really good this year. I, I slagged on him a lot last year and into the beginning of this year, but he has been really good this year, and he deserves to keep starting. And I think, g- given that they didn't sign a lot of fullbacks and the fullbacks they did sign. Now they're all injured and that sucks too. I think they've got to go with a three back system because this four back system with, especially with more injured with Ariola not here with uh, O'Neill Fisher injured with uh, uh, everything else happening. I, I just don't think it works right now. I think you have to go with a three back system and then build the rest of it out from there. I, I I would not do that. Um, I, uh, I I don't think the the playing with three in the back. I don't think it's worked very well at any point, other than maybe eight minutes against a Colorado team who were completely broken uh, psychologically, um, which I don't think is a good um, indicator that it's going to start working anytime soon. Hey, um, they beat LAFC this weekend, so. Yeah, but this is the new, uh, under the genius uh, leadership of Connor Casey, Colorado Rapids. So um, obviously things have changed tremendously. Um, Yeah, I I think for me, Marquinhos Pedroso, um, I think our willingness to sort of discard him so quickly based on two mistakes uh, as a fan base is probably in the wrong. Um, He was good in Dallas before this. Um, And he was good, I thought, against... uh, TFC. I thought he did the job pretty well. Um, 
he even got forward. He put in, uh, I think, two crosses in the end. Like he, he didn't contribute a lot going forward, but he wasn't a non-entity going forward, which is important. It's a, if he can be something in the attack. I mean, he's not going to be Mora, but if he can be something, um, then I think you plug him in. I think against Dallas, um, there's probably a psychological edge there too that um, is the standard play your old team kind of thing. Um, so I think that for that game, that's definitely what's going to happen. Um, I kind of wonder with, uh, some of these faster teams coming up, um, if Pines and Briant aren't going to be maybe toggled back and forth, depending on opponent, um, because Pines needs to be playing as well. You can't just, he, you know, he's healthy, but he's not necessarily sharp because he hasn't played. So, um, you've got to find him minutes at some point. Um, you can't just wait for Loudon and also, if you send him to play for Loudon, he can't be available for DC. So you have a problem there too. It's the same thing that uh, Griffin Yow runs into um, where he didn't play for Loudon on Friday. Starting games. Yeah. I think with um, the fact that we're coming off of two straight games in really hot, humid conditions and then going to Dallas in July, um, I think it might not be the worst idea to get Yao in there for one of the wingers. Um, I don't know if that's going forward, going to be an every game thing. Um, I, I guess what I'm advocating for really is um, it's going to be more piecemeal. It's going to be more um, making selections based on individual games rather than just saying, these are the 11 guys um, sure. because it, it does feel a little bit like a, a little survival mode right now because the team is short uh, and short and probably tired. So the combination of those two things sort of forces, um, you know, not tink outright tinkering, but definitely um, maybe a little more willingness to rotate and substitute early than we've been seeing of late. Yeah. And let me just jump right back in for a little bit with Yao. I am very sad that he, like he has needed to get 10 minutes, 20 minutes, anything over the past couple of games uh, where they haven't been clicking. And the fact that he hasn't, it makes me sad. And going forward, he has to get more minutes because the team has so many games uh, over the next three, four weeks. What it's like seven, eight games over the next four weeks. It's something ridiculous. And he's going to have to play a role. And I, I just wish that he got a little more of a role leading into this because I continue to pound on the fact that he is the most Paul Ariola like player, uh, the winger available from the sub bench and Ulysses Segura is great, but he's been, he has, he's been just, is he great? Not not clicking. (laughs) Yeah. Is he great? Ben? (laughs) Well, uh, great, great is an overstatement. Great is he, he, uh, he works hard. He he works hard. but he yeah, hasn't exactly. been very good in the last right. few games. And like, and what's funny Griffin to Yow me has Griffin Yao has deserved this chance over him. I'm sorry, I'm talking over you, Adam. I'm just trying to finish my thing here. Uh, Griffin Yao deserves the start over him, and it just hasn't happened yet. So, yes, go go forth, Adam. <laughs> Segura has. It, what's funny is the games where he's been really had his worst are also the games where he's scored. It's bizarre. He yes. has one moment that he just figures it out or is in the right place at the right time. But so often this year he has 
been held the ball for too long or made the wrong decision or run until he, he he stopped running before he should have and a play that could have developed further didn't because he's not finishing his run um which isn't laziness as as jason said it's just he's not finishing that run the way he he should be he's he's checking back to to make sure he's in a good position or or something else but the right decision would have been to keep running in behind or keep running centrally he just hasn't been on the same page with anyone for a lot of this and I saw one comment online that Wayne Rooney and Lucho only want to pass to each other. And that's frankly bullshit. Uh, Rooney looks for Segura out on the field. If you watch him, he, if Segura is open, Rooney gets him the ball almost without fail. Um, I don't think it's obvious. That's true. Lucho doesn't make a lot of long passes. You have to either be standing in space, uh, able to, to give a touch back to him or be making a run for Lucho to, to want to find you. Um, whereas Rooney will find you wherever you are, however you are. And he, he finds Segura. So it's, it's obvious that Segura not only has the trust of Ben Olsen, but also Wayne Rooney. And I think that, that, that combination is a big part of why he keeps starting, but I'm with you guys. Uh, I, I want Yao to get minutes. I want him to start in Dallas. Um, He's performed well in youth tournaments in Dallas specifically. Uh, he's young and energetic. He will be able to survive the heat down there. Segura will too. Um, but I want Yao on the field. I'm I'm much closer to Jason's position than Ben on formation and who should be out there. Um, I think Pedroso has the starting left back job until he misses another back post runner or Mora comes back. I think those are <laughs> those are the conditions that will will knock him back out of the lineup but i i think you need some kind somebody who's just gonna run and run and run and make space and be quick and fast out there and that's that's a young kid that is i mean griffin yao's not just a lot like paul Ariola. he's a lot like ben olsen when he was a young player and for the life of me i don't know why ben olsen the the veteran manager hasn't been putting him out there streff maybe you have insight no, I will say though, uh, not to harp too much on on Zoltan, but that play in the second half where he gets in behind um, from a pass from Wayne Rooney. If that is Griffin Yao in that position, obviously if it's Paul Ariola, uh, somebody gets a shot off in that situation. Instead, Stever um, seemed to not be able to make up his mind on what he wanted to do, which which foot he was going to shoot from, uh, and just Mora Moro uh, comes from behind. Um, and tackles away the ball and ends what was probably like DC's like best chance of the game, um, other than the penalty. Uh, they're, they're the best chance they at least like created, uh, that did not end up in a shot. Um, yeah, it's weird that that Stieber was the guy that got in behind actually twice because there was another one, a long ball from Rooney that that Stieber was in behind and just couldn't in the first half, I think it was, and he just couldn't quite bring it down and ended up playing it uh, out for a goal kick. But had he been a little bit quicker, he could have pulled that ball down and, and potentially gotten a shot. And then in the second half, when he got in behind and took four dribbles on the ball in the box instead of just three um, and got, got caught. Yeah. Um, it's rough out there when you're Zoltan Stieber in 2019. 
I think that's it for this first segment, unless you guys have anything else. There is one more thing. There's been a lot of negativity. Um, we need some positivity in this uh, to end this uh, half. Yes, sir, Captain. Uh, will, yeah. Uh, Captain, DC my United, Captain. DC United uh, picked up four points in the past week, right, in the two games. And the previous five league games, they had also only picked up four points. So if that's not improvement, um, I don't know what is. Here for the bare minimum of positivity. I like it. <laughs> Double your like points. You're, you're really digging deep uh, to be Captain Positivity. You know, to, to reach the level of Captain, you can't be lazy. You're not going to be lazy. You're going to work hard. You're going to find those opportunities, Jason. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's not an ensign of Positivity. He's a Captain. I'm going to nip this in the bud. There's going to be riffing on this, and I'm not going to allow it. Steven Streff, thank you for joining us. We're going to let you go so we can bring on another guest. Um, if anybody doesn't follow you, which obviously they should be, tell them where they can find you on the old internet. On the Twitter, I'm at Streff Soccer. If you can't find me by searching that, just look for Captain Positivity, and there you go. Or a cactus. Or a cactus. But that's only on Slack, I think. <laughs> and... This is where the Black and Red United inside joke starts spilling out little by little. Before they spill out anymore, though, we're going to take a quick break and be right back to preview DC United's visit to FC Dallas. Stick around. It's filibuster. Hey, Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me. Depends. I mean... Well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages, or or do something else oh, nefarious in a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. <laughs> Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. deep in the heart of Texas visiting FC Dallas for 9 p.m. kickoff Thursday night. Watch it on Flow FC or on ESPN Plus if you're outside of the geofence. Dallas currently fourth in the Western Conference on 26 points, which would put them five points behind DC United. Uh, right now, Ben Lyon writes for our sister site, Big D Soccer, down there. And uh, he joins us now to help us preview this one. Ben, welcome to Filibuster. Oh, well, thank you for having me. We have our, our tradition here. Got to ask, what are you drinking? This evening, I am drinking a virgin 
Country Time Pink Lemonade, sugar-free. Alas, lads, it is a dry July. Ah, uh, okay. okay. Your uh, your colleague in in uh, in actually Oklahoma City. I'm not in Dallas right now. Um, get a little 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 bit of a punch on him, so it's gonna gonna sweat some off now that it's hot. Not uh, not drink any booze this month. So one one day down, thirty more to go. Hey, congratulations! What, you start with one step, for- right? I was going to ask what what passes for hot in that part of the world because we're dealing with our thing, and I think of going out there as like two steps further down that road. You know, I mean, typically by this time of year, you've you've hit triple digits um, mm-hmm. at least a couple times, but um, it's rained a lot, uh, both where I am in Oklahoma city. And then, you know, also, you know, in the Dallas area. So mm-hmm. it's been pleasantly in the lower nineties, um, <laughs> top topping out at, in the lower nineties for the, the past week or so. And before that, it was even cooler than that. So that sounds terrible. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, if you're used to having had the air conditioner running constantly since, uh, the end of April every year. It's, uh, you know, it's kind of nice, right. but the, mosquito, the mosquitoes are starting to get bad. Yeah. And I'm just thinking about what happened in, uh, Guadalajara this week where, uh, a week are after you? being 90 degrees, they had f- literally five feet of hail fall. Oh, it was 90 degrees that day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was 90 degrees that day. So, I mean, it was just, uh, yeah. Um, Next comes like, the locusts. Yeah. Anyway, before we uh, get too down the biblical path, let's talk about soccer. Um, FC Dallas, more than anyone in MLS, probably embodies the player kids ethos. And, and that was true uh, under, under your old coach. And it's probably even more true now under Luchi Gonzalez. Uh, however, some of those guys have been away with the U20s and everything. I, I'm just curious who steps in when the kids are out with national teams. Oh gosh. Is that well, when you play the old timers or, or. Well, no, actually it was, it up? was, it was actually, it was a, a, a mix of, uh, you know, some squad players and then, you know, a couple more kids, um, you know, Brian Reynolds, who just turned 18, he, he got his professional debut, um, uh, while, while some of the other guys were out and, and, uh, that was before he was 18. And then, you know, Thomas Roberts also, you know, he's the he's the heir apparent to uh, Paxton Pomichol. You know, Paxton, grizzled old man at 19 um, and already with uh, suitors in other countries. You know, he's uh, he's just keeping the seat warm for Thomas Roberts. For for anyone who doesn't know Paxton Pomichol, just because in MLS, there's a lot of fans who just watch their team and don't necessarily follow the league as a whole. Pomichol's worth watching, though. Tell us a little bit about his game. So he's a, a modern central midfielder. Um, you know, he's, I don't know, I would say, like, ideally at this point in time, just kind of the way he fits in with this team. Um, you know, he's a box, like a true box-to-box eight, or, you know, um, you know when everything is, is, is pinging just right, like whenever we started the season, then he was the so-called free eight. Um, uh, 
and honestly, I think as the season moves along, he's going to end up being being that, or you know, more of um, the, uh, a regular, you know, standard box to box midfielder. Or when they set up in a four two three one, he's going to be one of those, you know, double pivot sixes that take turns going forward with um, Brian Acosta. Um, and I mean, he's 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 flexible in that way. Might pop up on the wing, although we just signed, uh, you know, a, a wing player from Bulgaria today. So we'll see how that works out. Um, but yeah, no, like a really, really smooth, technically gifted, high motor, box to box midfielder who, you know, causes problems for, um, you know, other defenses. Um, and, you know, is, is, is you know, a, a good defensive player in his own right. Um, and just, you know, like an all-around complete midfielder that, you know, the U.S. national team could really use right now. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a guy Matt Doyle in particular has has been saying could walk into the national team in the not-too-distant future. So uh, definitely somebody to watch. Zooming out a little bit to, to FC Dallas in general, how has the team changed since Luchi Gonzalez took over? Well, you know, initially he kind of tried to do like a really doctrinaire four three three. Um but you know with injuries and then you know international departures for the U twenty World Cup and then also the Gold Cup and Copa America, you know, he had to kind of tweak some things and rotate in some new players. <clears throat> Edwin Cerillo um is one of those guys, you know, he just signed his first pro contract this winter. And went from being a guy that we thought was going to play a lot at North Texas this year to, um, well, I mean, he started uh, up in Portland and is already up to, let's see here, oh, 11, 11 MLS games this year. Um, and, you know, he's done really well. Um, you know, he's still got a little learning curve to, to, to manage, um, but the record's really good when he plays. <laughs> And uh, like his pass completion is over ninety percent, um, and you know he's just really just blown everybody away how quickly he was able to come in and be up to speed in the pro game. Um, so you know uh, it's kind of like Busca La Forma, but um, now it's just more with you know the academy director doing it instead of Oscar Perea. So it's uh, just just basically like the last few years, except on crack. So, Ben, a, a lot of teams in MLS have uh, questions uh, towards uh, Greg Berhalter about uh, the starting uh, uh, goalkeeper. How has Jesse Gonzalez been over the past couple of years? And do you think he should be in contention for uh, the U S men's national team uh, starting role? Oh, certainly. Certainly. I mean, especially, especially with, you know, the, you know, the ethos that you're going to play out of the back a lot. That's probably the biggest jump in his game this year. You know, his distribution, um, from the keeper spot has gotten a lot better. Um, he's a lot more smooth with his passing. His footwork is better. Um, his decision-making is better. Um, 
and you know, I mean, it wasn't that it was all that bad last year because, yeah, I mean, like it was pretty frequent for uh, FC Dallas to play more of a direct style last year. Um, but you know, he got challenged on it this year. You know, Maurer played a bunch last year, so it, it wasn't necessarily his job to have. Like he had an open competition that he had to win in the winter time. And I mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, not to mention the fact that he's an, an excellent shot, 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 shot stopper. I don't know why that was such a tongue twister. Um, Easy for you to say. Right, right. <laughs> Bill, Bill Hamid would also agree with that. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, no, I hate look. <laughs> you know, the goal, I still think that the goalkeeper position is, is very much up, up for grabs. I, you know, I mean, I don't think Stefan has nef- definitely put his stamp on it that it's his and he's going to be first choice forever. I don't think Horvath has done that, even though, you know, he's playing in Europe and well, whatever the hell that means. Um, no, there's definitely there's definitely still, you know, some hero ball that could come from the goalkeeper position that's going to really, really solidify, you know, whoever gets the opportunity and takes it. And Jesse could certainly be with, be that guy. Uh, and you mentioned um, you sort of intimated that um, there was a good start to the season and then things haven't necessarily carried on. And it, I'm looking at the form guide and it's actually, it reminds me a lot of DC's season where March and April were pretty good. Um, and then there's like a six or seven game winless run in May. And then, you know, sort of a recovery in the last month or so, but not necessarily anything to write home about. Um is this just a young team sort of trying to figure it out on the, on the fly or is something else sort of off with the group right now? Well, I mean, it's, it's a combination of things. So that big dry run, um, it coincides with the San Jose game at, mm-hmm. at FC Dallas. And, um, you know, Pax, Paxton got hurt that game. Mm-hmm. Um, he came off at, at halftime and then, didn't play for three weeks and then went straight to the, you know, U 20 camp. And he, I mean, he was gone for a long time. That's, you know, a valuable member of the team. Um, you know, a couple of designated players um, being either injured or not performing in the case of Pablo Orangis. And boy, are we glad that he did well at the Toulon tournament. Because mm-hmm. you know, not only not only were we not missing anything by having him here, but he actually played well there. So you know, maybe uh, maybe team in Chile will come come bring him home. Um, and then you know, uh, on top of that, uh, Brian Acosta had, has been you know kind of dinged up. Carlos Gresso was dinged up. Really, that stretch in May was brutal because you know we had so many people hurt or gone for international duty. Um, that, you know, I mean, it was, it was just too much. So Ben, it seems like y'all have a decent, uh, center back pairing, but, um, what do you think about the, the, uh, fullbacks? What do you think about, uh, Brisson and Ziegler? Are they, uh, are they okay? Do you, do you, do you think they need to be replaced? What, what, what's what's your like? Hollingshead and Hedges are are solid, but what what do you think? Is well, Hollingshead, 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 Hollingshead is one of the wing backs. Ziegler and Hedges are the center back. Okay, the the first choice center back uh, uh, tandem. And Ziegler has played a couple 
couple of games out on the left. Um, when Hollingshead had to move out to the right, you, you Cannon, he's at the Gold Cup. Um, John Nelson, really impressive rookie. He's had, you know, an adductor strain or something like that that's kept him out for the last few games. Hollingshead's had a good season. Um, you know, he's uh, what uh, Luchi Gonzalez likes to refer to as an honest player, like uh, mm. is, is a good practice player and it carries over to the game. But, you know, he's a, a jack of all trades outside back, um, which means he also plays center back sometimes and sometimes plays midfield. Um, just a few weeks ago, whenever um, there, there really wasn't anybody to play defensive midfield, um, he stepped up and did that in San Jose. Did all right. Got a draw in San Jose, which is a good result out there right now. Um, but, yeah, ideally uh, he won't be the outside back going forward. Like uh, John Nelson is going to take a spot because John Nelson has looked really good. And then, you know, of course, Reggie Cannon, when he gets back, will probably uh, take his spot back at, at right back. Although Brisson, Brisson hadn't looked that bad out there. Um, and he was kind of advertised as somebody that, you know, you could play across the back anyway. Um, so yeah, the defense the defense is, pre- is pretty good. Um, you know, right now probably the biggest questions are maturation in the center, center midfield or, you know, finding a consistent pairing there. Um, and then just, you know, finishing at this point. Um, one thing that has led to FC Dallas's uptick in form is they're creating a lot more shots than they did for the first three months of the season. Um, they're being a lot more frequent in the attack. And that's that's really promising around here. Um, that was kind of a canary in the coal mine there for a bit. Um, and, and now it's just, it's just down to finishing, which, I mean, that might be a problem that they have all year and, you know, we're just doomed by it, but I don't know. Um, Ferreira is actually a pretty good finisher and we're really, really excited about this kid, Ricardo Pepe. Ooh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm glad you mentioned, um, Ferreira and Pepe cause that's kind of, that's kind of where I was going. Um, you know, Ferreira at this point, looking at, the season he's putting together, I know looking at the Dallas roster in, in the preseason, I knew that the expectation was that he was going to be a factor, um, but he's an established starter. He looks like he could get to like 10 goals, 10 assists on the year. Uh, he's having that kind of season. Um, and then meanwhile, Pepe is 16 years old and is breaking in. Like he's going to become another guy that is not just making the team, but is actually sort of like Griffin Yao in DC where we've got people like, Hey, why isn't Yao playing more? it seems like Pepe might be um, getting more of those minutes and starting to make a push. So um, I guess my question is right now, um, you know, given that we've got a game coming up in a few days, how do you think um, those two are able to, um, what what level are they able to play at right now? Or do you think they're real difference makers or it's still sort of a, you know, a next year that's going to be really special with these guys? You know, with Ferreira, I mean, it like he probably should have eight or nine goals already this year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, his finishing has just been like slightly off and some of the chance creation, um, you know, whenever he was playing back in May and, you know, really like whenever he like kind of his, his, uh, his drought was, um, yeah, it just it wasn't frequent enough. And so, I mean, 
I, I think what's going to end up happening, unless Pepe really comes on, is Ferreira is going to going to start um, most games as a lead striker. Uh, don't know that that's necessarily his best position, but when he gets the ball on his foot, he pulls the trigger really quick. He gets a shot off fast, and you know with with good power and, and placement most of the time. And, you know, he's a crafty player fast enough. He'll be, a, he's, he's a difference maker this year. Once the rest of the team coalesces around him, Pepe, Pepe could be that guy too. Um, honestly, he started off the year playing for, you know, the U16 Academy team and he had 19 goals in six games and then was like the youngest player with the U17s scored against Turkey. Then you know played in the U17 qualifying, scored three or four goals there. Uh, you know made his pro debut with uh, North Texas, um, our USL affiliate. Scored a hat trick in his first game. Led led the league in goal scoring until you know basically he went to the U17 uh, qualifying and then got signed by FC Dallas. So um, he's he's coming on quick. And he's got, you know, all the physical attributes you would need to be a target striker already at age 16. And you know, he's tall, he's fast, uh, he's got a good motor, he's got great soccer IQ, especially for his age. Um, and he can score any way you like: poacher's goal, headers, um, bangers from outside the box. He can take set pieces. I mean. He's one goal of the week with a set piece. <laughs> He's pretty crazy, kind of like a cheat code. So, I mean, I could see the team getting into middle of August and Pepe making enough strides where, you know, he's the lead, lead the line striker and Ferreira drops back into kind of sort of a hybrid 10 role um, with Brian Acosta and Paxton Pomacall behind him. And that could be, that could be something. Uh, you mentioned that the team uh, that Dallas just brought in someone from Bulgaria. It's um, a winger named Edwin Giassi. Um, other than obviously the name Giassi in American soccer, not necessarily going together uh, very well right now. Um, what do you think uh, he's, or what are the expectations for him? He's coming in as a TAM player. Um, do you think he can play in this game? And if so, do you think he's supposed to make a difference uh, immediately or is he someone that's more, well, we'll see how it works out. Well, I mean, I don't think, see, I don't know if he was a free transfer or not. Um, now he's in fact, I know he's not, he's on loan right now. So mm -hmm. he won't be available for the July 4th game. Oh, that's right. Yeah. The window yeah. is still a few days away. Right, and then you've got to get you know the uh, international transfer certificate. Mm -hmm. He's probably a couple weeks away uh, at best. Like I wouldn't expect to see him on the field until end of July, because well, I mean so he's all also not in shape either. So okay, well, well so, I'm, assu so I'm assuming he's not like you know he'll he'll need need a couple weeks. <laughs> Uh, well, what do you think of the the wingers that are still in place that that will be available? You've got Michael Barrios. Um, Don Baji has been playing wide left lately, from what I've seen. Um, Mosquera's still there; he still gets in. Um, who 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 do you want starting this game? 
Well, Barrios, obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Barrios is one of the most underrated attackers in the league. He's a great wing player. I mean, doesn't cost all that much. His salary is like 400 bucks, And, you know, he's consistently produced, combined like 12 goals and assists every year in the league, except for, you know, his first his first year where he didn't really start playing until, I want to say, July. So, I mean, steady, busts his butt, tough, um, consistent, doesn't get hurt. Um, yeah, I put like he's probably the most in-pin player you want um, if you're an FC Dallas fan because, you know, he's also a little guy. You know, we like to cheer for the little guy. Um, left side's a lot different. Um, Baji is not naturally a winger. Um, sometimes he can get by with that. Um, and, and, and look sometimes occasionally good, but you know, over, over the course you see, you see, it's really not his bag. Like I think he'll end up being, being a backup striker at some point or getting traded. Um, because you know, he's got a green card now, so he's a domestic player. So that adds a little, little bit to his value. Um, Mascara, man, he shows flashes all the time. Um, you know, he can be a really exciting, dynamic player. Um, and you know, there's been a handful of games where he's just, you know, killed teams. But problem with him is consistency gets hurt. He gets hurt so much. Uh, I mean, he's missed so many games since we've signed him. And I mean, not from like one, you know, catastrophic bad luck injury, but, you know, handstrings, knees, uh, thighs, glutes, groin, subgroin, upper groin, all of it. You know, I mean, he just, and he's not, he's not a 90 minute player, even when he's tip top. So I kind of, I kind of like him right now where he is. You know, if we can keep him healthy and, you know, count on him for maybe 30, 30, 20 to 30 minutes as an impact sub, then that's, you know, his sweet spot. It's not, it's not great value, but um, you can definitely change the game in that amount of time. I always like to ask about stadiums and down in Dallas, you have uh, recently gone through some changes with your stadium, with the expansion of the, the national soccer Hall of Fame. Uh, I'm curious your thoughts on on the Hall of Fame and and on the changes to the stadium that came with it. Well, I mean, hey, it's it's a really nice showpiece for the stadium. Um, you know, it's too bad more people don't go and see it. Um, I do know that they are going to continue to have Hall of Fame inductions in the fall there every year. So that should you know that should maybe like help the general surrounding area kind of pop in a little bit more and check it out. Um, you know, I mean, this, the stadium is really not in that bad of a spot. It's easy to get to off of the highway. Of course it's all tolls and you can't take the train there, but it's easy to park, easy to get in and out of a lot of restaurants around there and walking distance. It's, I mean, it's built up nicely around it. It's not, it's not a, it's not a bad venue at all. It's just, you know, Frisco's a long way from a lot of people. <laughs> so uh, we like to end these interviews with a uh, with a similar question each week, and that is asking you to kind of 
put yourself in someone else's shoes, specifically Ben Olson's. If you were game planning against FC Dallas, what would you be focusing on? Well, kind of depends on, on who, who they start out, out there. Um, so, uh, you know, as, as much as I, I've, I crowed on Edwin Cerillo earlier, um, you know, he's still still kind of young, still kind of learning. Um, and, you know, some physical players can, can get to him. I mean, Chara, I'm sure Olsen saw, you know, Chara's first half in particular last week where, you know, he, he pushed around Cerillo and Palmicall really good. Um, that didn't work out so much in the second half. Um, FC Dallas adjusted really well and looked really like game like they were going to, you know, get a point at least. Um, but if uh, Cerillo starts again, um, you know, maybe push Canals uh, up a little bit further to kind of hassle him and see if you can't uh, turn that into some quick offense. All right, Ben, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, where can we find you online? Uh, online. Um, so this year... I mean, if you want to tell people where to find you in the real world, that's up to you. I'm not going to encourage that, but... Well, my information your prerogative. Um, you know, if they want to come hunt me down, take your best shot. Um, yeah, so... I am doing something different on Big D than I used to. Uh, I used to write a lot of uh, U.S. soccer stuff for it, but you know, um, once Bruce Arena came on, I <laughs> I, I checked out because I knew I knew it was going to be bad. <laughs> I knew it was going to be really was. bad. <laughs> um, I was writing a fantasy article on there every week, um, but that was too much work. So now I think. I can lay claim. I think I haven't perused all the sites. I think I'm the only one writing a weekly MLS gambling column uh-huh. on SB Nation, and yeah, it's free. There's, there, I, I, I don't have it like so that you can get premium picks on on a tout site or anything like that. I'm just giving it all away, and uh, lads, we're up pretty good. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's uh, well over 200% return. Oh, you're setting yourself up for that 900 no- number nicely. So, so, correction. 300% return. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So you'll, you'll be on late night infomercials in no time, Ben. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just as, as soon as we get uh, gambling legalized across the United States, I'm sure people will jump right into the MLS uh, gambling racket. Hey, it's a lock. Yeah, you know it's it's, it's funny. Like um, if you ever uh, cruise through, a, you know, uh, like a Twitter game thread um, during rain delays, it's just packed full of international gamblers. People like wanting to know the score, wanting to know who to take. Oh, yeah. it's, a, it's amazing. I, <laughs> when I was in the uh, Richmond Kickers uh, press box, it was all Austrians who wanted to know what the scores were for gambling purposes. Oh yeah. For lower yeah, league it, games. Right, right. It, yeah, no, no. It, it's it's amazing. Like you can you can bet on USL games. You can bet on NPSL games. It's 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 crazy. And the thing is, around the rest of the world they do. Here, not not so much, but you know, 
that's that's part of the reason why I say we're still in people talk about MLS 3.0, MLS 4.0. Bullshit. We're still on 2.0 because nobody's gambling on it. And there's still pyramid schemes as kit sponsors. So once once we cross over those two two things, then we can enter MLS 3.0. And then we will be a real boy. Well, Ben, are you on Twitter? Are you I am. on social media? I am at Bird Turgler. B-Y-R-D-T-U-R-G-L-E-R. Yes, I am that juvenile. All right. Find us Social media is for. It's true. Find us at com, patreon.com slash filibuster if you want to support us financially. We're also on Twitter, uh, Black and Red U for the website, filibuster DCU for the podcast. Uh, find us wherever you get your podcast. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. I'm getting tired of saying the word podcast, so I'm just going to ask you to tell a friend about this program. For uh, Ben Lyon, thanking, uh, or thanking Ben Lyon for Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley, I'm Adam Taylor, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. Podcast. 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 Thank you.